can be turned to screen number 1199. God bless you this morning, saints. Nice to see you all here gathered together. We had some surprises this morning. <laughs> Brother West, God bless you. Welcome home. Nice to see you, Brother West, all the way here from Georgia. Amen. It's always a wonderful surprise, and yes, he will sing for us a little bit later. Also, I want to welcome Brother Eugene Boldenkoff from Ukraine, but living in Edmonton now. God bless you, brother. You've come a long ways. Amen. Anyone else visiting this morning, please trust you'll feel welcome in the house of the Lord. Could we maybe sing this in F today, if you would, please? How deep the Father's love for us. Amen. I love the lyrics to this song. Trust you've come expecting this morning. I know our brother Michael set himself aside and services we've been having lately have just been so exceptional for years. I mean, it just seems to get better and better. So I know that God has something very special for us this morning. So I trust you come expecting. But let's sing this together as we prepare our hearts now. How deep the Father's love for us. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all
Yeah. 
Blessed be your name, O God. We worship you this morning, Lord. You are worthy, O God. Hallelujah. You can just express your thanksgiving to him in your own way this morning. Lift your hands, lift your heart, lift your voices. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is worthy this morning of our praise and our thanksgiving, of our adoration. Lord, truly, Father, there is no one like you, O God. Blessed be the name of Jesus. We worship you, O Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Wonderful, Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's just go to prayer at this time. If the brothers would please come and just prepare for the morning offering. Amen. Brother Glenn Grunert, I know you're off duty. I'm sorry. Maybe I could ask you if you would just come and open the service for us in a word of prayer. We do have one need that was just called in. Our sister, Ryan, from Trinidad is struggling with COVID now. I just called and asked the church that we would please remember her in prayer, that the Lord would touch her. I mean, we know there's many needs in the body. If there's something on your heart that you just like held up before the Lord this morning, we know he sees every hand and every heart. Brother Glenn, please come. Let's bow our heads. so good to be in your presence you have been so good to us Lord another day that we can come and worship you Lord we're such a blessed people Lord we come with open hearts Lord desiring Lord that you would change our lives Lord from glory to glory. Lord, asking that you'd be with our pastor, Brother Ed and Sister Ruth, Lord, be with them in the room that they're at, Lord. Strengthen them, Lord. And Lord, also for this one that has COVID, Lord, there's quite a few people that have contracted it, Lord, and we just ask that you intervene, Lord, and take the symptoms away, Lord, and may they get over it quickly, I pray, Lord. And Lord, for this service, Lord, we ask for the man of God that would come before this pulpit. He'd be surrendered, Lord. He'd have the words of life for your people. For Lord, we hang on every word that you bring to us. For God, time is so short. Just remembering my brother-in-law, Brad. He's in a very dark place right now, Lord. Asking, oh God, that you would. God intervene for him as well, Lord. Not knowing where he is right now, Lord. But God, knowing that you will watch over him. Bring him back to yourself, Lord. Once again, oh God. Thankful for such mercy. 
Oh God, you've been so good to us. Just committing this service, oh God, to worship the song. Lead Brother Ryan, oh God, to the right songs to bring us into that atmosphere, oh God. That you would have free entrance when your word comes forth. Just commit our hearts into your hands now, Lord, our lives to the only one that can give us life. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Glenn. You can have your seats. We take up the offering. Maybe we could just sing my Redeemer's faithful and true. Maybe as we're singing this, Brother Silas, Sister Kenzie, Sister Michaela, you can just get ready for your song. As we'll sing this through a few times. My Redeemer's faithful and true. My Redeemer, He is faithful.
But deep within my soul Is rising up a song Here in the comfort of The faithful one I walk a narrow road Through valleys deep In search of higher ground On mountain steep And though with feet unsure I still keep pressing on For I am guided by The faithful one
Hallelujah. Faithful one. Amen. Maybe we can just sing that song, um, the chorus, Faithful One. You are my rock in times of trouble. Amen. Brother Wes, why don't you come at this time? Sister Leah, Sister Ava, you can come and get ready and we'll turn the service to our brother Michael afterward. And let's just continue to worship him, though, in this atmosphere. Amen. As our brother Michael comes and we'll just have that special first. Oh, faithful one, so unchanging, you are the ageless one, you're my rock of peace, Lord of all, I depend on you, I call out to you. Praise the Lord. It's good to see each one in the house of the Lord this morning. It's good to be back with you. Amen. And uh, see so many familiar faces, some new ones. Um, I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As your brother in Christ. Amen. And uh, just want to say God is good, isn't he? And you say, well, why is he good? Do I really need to tell you? Do you feel that presence? There's nothing like the presence of the Lord. Amen. And we just appreciate that. This little song has been uh, a blessing to us back home. We've been singing it a lot, and it's been on our playlist, and we just felt to sing it this morning. But it's a very easy song to sing along to. Amen. And one thing I love to do, I love to worship my God. I love to praise Him for all He's done for me. I'm so thankful for His blood, for His grace and mercy. Amen. He did it for me. He can do it for you. I can promise you he can keep you. Amen. And that testimony will live on and on and on. And I'm so thankful for that. And one day we're getting out of here. We won't be sitting in these seats. We're going to be gone in a twinkling of an eye. It will happen. I believe it with all my heart. Amen. So just, amen. Trust this song's a blessing for you. Amen. I've been changed. Healed 
Would you ever want to go back? No sir. no, sir. Back to the drinking, back to the doping. Do Who wants to go back to that? Because he changed you. Michael, would you ever want to go back? No, sir. Margaret, would you ever want to go back? No way. Gabriel, you want to go back? No, sir. Because he changed you, transformed you. Hallelujah. People try to go to their drinking and their doping and their entertainment. They try to find joy. They try to find peace. But they'll never find it there. But you'll find it in the ever-present water from the rock of the living God. Let's sing that again. I won't go back. I can't go back. Why? Because you're changed forevermore. You're transformed, not conformed. So you're completely, fully changed into a new creature. You couldn't go back if you tried. Hallelujah. Will I? Go back. I can't go back to the way it used to be before your presence came and
Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we bless your name this morning. Lord, right now indeed is the moment. Today is a day maybe for somebody sitting in this sanctuary. Lord, they didn't know it when they walked in. They didn't know it, but Lord, when they walk out today, they say, I'm never going back to where I used to be. Maybe somebody on a streaming, Lord, in their little room right now, maybe they're saying, I need that. I need that change. I need that transformation. Lord, may this be the day. May this be the moment. May it be their hour of deliverance, oh God. Lord, you alone know the heart. You alone know the spirit burning and yearning. So, Lord, would your word go forth this morning? Would your people call? Lord, would you speak? And would you indeed change this morning, we pray? Oh, God, we've come for an encounter with the Almighty this morning. We didn't come for an encounter of humanity. We didn't come for an encounter of music. But we came for an encounter of the omnipotent presence of Almighty God. Lord, would you stir our hearts today? Lord, take us in your presence, Lord, as we already are. But Lord, may you brood and sweep. May you just start to, may it be the beginning, Lord, of a moment in your presence today that will be unforgettable. Oh, Jesus. Lord, we crave your presence. We crave your nearness. Oh, God. That's why our hearts are being pulled into eternity. Because, Lord, we desire to be eternally in your presence forever. Lord, we're not satisfied with a moment. Lord, as you and Lord come and brood and we'd have to go into our next day life. But, Lord, eternity calls that we'll never part from this presence of Almighty God, this sweetness in your nearness, Lord. We commit this service to you this morning. Move and have your way in every heart. We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Wes. You love him this morning? I love him with all my heart. I surely do. He's too good. Just too good. We have a special greeting and announcement to welcome our sister Shekinah Garland. Where is she? I know she's up there somewhere. Okay. Oh, you're hiding. My there we go. Sister Shekinah, welcome home to new home. Amen. Better Daniel, your wife, I'm sure you're happy beyond happy. Words don't express. You've been apart for this little time, but welcome. Welcome. Make sure to greet her. Welcome her into the family of God here. Not easy to leave family back home in the Philippines, but may your family now be extended to a few more here. Amen. Maybe just before we turn to the Word, you can turn to Scriptures at Psalms 27. Just as you're turning, just remember that Wednesday night this week is being moved to, to Friday. So mark that on your calendar. There'll be no service this, this Wednesday. Friday will be the same time as Wednesday, 7.30. And uh, also the family prayer meeting will be on the 11th, so not tomorrow, but on the 11th. Amen. On the Saturday upcoming, we have Brother Stephen Abali here this weekend. Remember that as well. He'll be taking the Friday night and the Sunday morning. And just on the Saturday at uh, 2 o'clock, we're just going to have a little time together with the family of God here. And so the, uh, Clayton Park is, is uh, at 2 o'clock p.m., about 2 to 6 or so. Uh, we'll just have, uh, everyone's welcome to come and we'll just have a time together. A little time to uh, 
strengthen the bonds of the family. Amen? And maybe the desire, no, but Tom's desire was many different ones that maybe don't, you don't get to see or shake hands or greet here at church, and different ones are parting, but maybe that'll be an opportunity to maybe see a face and speak to them and share a greeting and get to know somebody that you, you maybe don't know here in the congregation. So I encourage you to, to come, and, and those that are, you know, have been here new, come. This is the time that we can get together and learn about each other, share our battles, share our burdens. Amen. I'd like to say greetings to Brother Ed and Sister Ruth this morning. I'm sure they're, sure they're watching the service, so I thought maybe we could just say, God bless you, Brother Ed, all together, eh? God bless you, Brother Ed, Sister Ruth. We, so in, know you're there. We miss you. Just want to greet you this morning. Brother Tom's in Boston. If you remember him in prayer, he had a number of services through the weekend, and he'll be preaching tonight and tomorrow as well, I believe, so keep him in your prayer. Amen. Psalms 27, very, very, very familiar scripture. Many have preached from it. Brother Brandon preaches the rapture out of it. So we'll just uh, see how the Lord opens the word this morning. Psalms 27, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Amen. The Lord is my strength or is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? My where was David at that moment? What a strength as he wrote these words. The Lord is the strength of my life. <laughs> of whom shall I be afraid? I don't know the timing of this off, my, off by hand, but my, maybe he had this before he came up to Goliath. <laughs> and he was just quoting that in his mind. He said, I was just inspired just a few days ago, and, he, and this is exactly the moment. And so he's saying, the Lord is the strength of my life. Goliath, whom shall I fear? I think he was saying that as he threw the stone in his sling, huh? Amen. That's what, the, that's what inspiration there for David struck him. When the wicked, hmm. Goliath, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh. Isn't that what Goliath told him? I'll feed your flesh to the birds. Amen. Maybe he got this inspiration after. They stumbled and fell. Indeed he did. Amen. Hit by a rock that came out of nowhere. Empowered by the eternal one. Amen. They stumbled and fell. Though a host of Philistines that encamped about him. David, though the host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Amen. He was a one-man band right there at the moment, and everybody was encamped around him. But whom shall I fear? Though war should arise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen. For in the time, in the moment, in the junction point, of trouble, for in the time of trouble he shall hide. Amen. He shall provide safety for me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Oh, I love the Psalms. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. For in the time of trouble he shall hide, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Heavenly Father, Lord, your word is so inspired. 
Lord, it just strikes our heart, Lord, as we can enter in, Lord, to the Spirit. Lord, that you, that you inspired your servant, Lord, to pen these words. And Lord, because they're eternal, because they're your words, we can read them again and again and again. And they stir something in our soul for this moment, for this time, for this hour. Because it's an eternal word of God. Lord, would you break the bread this morning to us? Would you feed our hungry hearts? We pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats this morning. Hey Amen. My, I'm just nervous to even start. <laughs> but good morning. <laughs> Here we go. I'm going to take a little thought this morning. I didn't even know how to, maybe which title or which direction it goes, but I'm just going to speak on in rhythm at the junction. In rhythm at the junction, and we'll just see maybe where it goes. I thought even I'd just want to speak a little bit of shalom at the junction. But uh, we'll see which way the Lord leads us, all right? But Brother Branham says, and we are believing with this great turmoil that we're living in today. As we look around on every hand, pick up the newspapers, open up the news feed on your phone, whichever it is today, and just stand still and drop our everyday hustle and bustle of this neurotic age and look out and face facts. We see beyond any shadow of doubt that something is about to happen. Amen. Is that about how you feel today? I feel that so this morning more than I've ever felt. Something is about to happen. Amen. We're at a moment. Today is the day. Something could be happening that you don't even know or didn't even expect this morning when you got up. But something is about to happen. Amen. He says, beyond a shadow of a doubt, he says, pick up your papers, look around, face the facts this morning. It's going to happen. Amen. The world, he says, has recognized. The nations has recognized. Different quotes. Science has recognized. The devil has recognized. All right? It's time that he can wreck women, wreck the church, wreck the people. He, the devil, has recognized it. But he said, and God has recognized that there's a people on this earth, amen, a people on earth that he predestinated to life. Amen? He's recognized that you're here. Because he planned for you to be here. Amen. It's this time to send his message. Because you're here. He predestinated this moment. So he says, I'm sending a message. Amen. He says, he's did it. (laughs) The people has recognized it. Amen. The bride time has realized the evening light. Amen. So somebody has recognized, I'm already going to ditch this thing. Somebody's recognized that this moment, there's something happening. Amen. Amen. I just want to brag on my God today. Amen. I want to tell you how incredible he is today. Amen. I just wrote in my notes, I want to tell everybody how faithful he is. Amen. How perfect he is. How full of grace he is. Amen. That's the service this morning. I just want to speak about him. I want to speak about his word. I want to tell you what he's done through time. I want to say, here we are at a junction, a moment. Something's about to happen. Amen. Amen. At times of trouble, Auntie Marilyn and inward struggle, when it seems the end of the road. Amen. The song that was wrote. But at times of trouble, at times of difficult moments, there are junctions. Yes, sir. There's a junction in time that these ha- things happen. That's right. And a junction is a region of transition. It's a place or a point where two or th- more things 
kind of join or are joined, and there's a transition between one to another. It's a place where there's change. It's a junction. There's something happening. There's a place where there's change. Roadways, obviously, most common points of accidents are at junction points. And you'd expect the risk factor increases as traffic's flowing in different directions. You reach a junction, and they say most people, that's where most accidents actually happen. Most different things happen in that moment because people aren't paying attention to the junction. They're not noticing, they haven't prepared as they come up, and they come unexpected and unaware of what's happening at the change, and an accident happens. Amen. That's the problem, junctions. The world's had many junction points, a lot of transition moments through history of time. Obviously, the United States, big junction points were civil or revolutionary wars, obviously World War. One, two, these are major junction points of the earth. They changed things. Things, things adjusted. 9-11 changed things. Travel before 9-11 and travel after 9-11, you find out things majorly changed. It was a junction. It was a shifting of, of one era to another era, right? Amen. Nicaea, 325 A.D. was a junction. Hey, things changed quite drastically in the church. Organization steeped deeply and started to grab its fingers and take a hold, and the false vine becoming more brazen in its ways. That was a junction point of the church. These are junctions, major changes. Well, that's the world. Of course, humanity, we have on our own aspect, on our own worldly level, humanity level, we have our own changes, our transitions of life. Junction points. Goodness, you go to school tomorrow, the day after. I won't rob you of one more holiday. Sorry, Tuesday. Children, buckle up. Transition from one year to another. You know, somebody that maybe is going into school. We got our little ones in pre-K, you know. Big, big deal for them. Putting my backpack on. It's a transition. It's an amazing. You actually see big change in them as they go through the year. Maybe your first year on a job. Maybe, you're, maybe it's a year. Hey, relationship, marriage. That's a big transition. Amen, Butter Daniel, Sister Shekinah. Fatherhood, motherhood, big transitions. Little one along the way, and you have to change. It's transition time. Some transitions come unexpected. Many come unexpected, and they can be even majorly unsettling. You don't even know it's, that it's there, and you have to deal with it at junction point. Brother Bram says, you know, sometimes when junction comes, you don't realize how critical it is, but I, I would... Sometimes you make a decision and you don't realize that that was actually a critical point. But Abraham says you are today because several years ago you chose to be what you are now. Right? And what you choose now will determine what you will be five years from now. Amen? A junction point. You might not even realize how critical that moment is as you make a decision. And it might seem very, very low priority or low key. But that moment actually was a major change. And it shifted you off a little bit. And the trajectory that you went off five years from now. He continues to say five years from today, you may be a missionary. You may be a renowned Christian. Or five, days from, five years from today, you may be in hell because you made a wrong decision. Five years from today, you may be cleaning the spittoon in the bar room or a prostitute on the street. Or 
You may be a man or a woman that's a credit to any society because of your choice for Christ. Five years from today, you may be in glory, gone in the rapture because you made a choice today. And then you might think, oh, this is insignificant. This is just a, a Sunday morning service for me. But your choice today has a bearing, major bearing, because it's a junction for you potentially. And you are actually setting your course for glory or for not for hell. At the end of the day, it's only two. It's only two. I say, well, that's priest. You're scaring me. You're making this really fear. No, I'm just presenting reality, actually. Reality can be scary. But it's nonetheless true. Now would take, take time to ponder our lives. Now when taken a junction, as we said in traffic, many times as we said, the obvious people don't come up. They, they find, uh, you know, in a driving exam, I know there's a few of you that just took a driving exam recently. And they said most faults or most failures of the exam come at junctions. <laughs> Obviously. And as we said, emerging. But, you know, because people don't generally check for their blind spots. And they don't use the mirrors. So anybody coming up to a uh, test, blind spots and your mirrors. There you go. Driving exam instructor this morning. But I was thinking, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean, Brother George, right? <laughs> and checking for, I thought, you know, Lord, we come to junction points and we got blind spots as we are in life. But what, but what about an area, maybe there's something that maybe you're coming up at a junction point, you're looking in the Word, you don't maybe understand something quite right. And I thought, my... Thank you, Lord, for a messenger. Because there are so many areas in the Scripture maybe the world looks at and like, I don't understand that. I just listened to a fellow, my goodness, I was studying for the service, and a, fellow, a, a, a title on a, on a clip came up and said, I want to hear what he's saying about that. And he starts going through this, the different chapters in Revelation, and he starts to put his, his thoughts to it. And I, I just sat there, and I thought, oh, God. How do I reach this person? Because they're putting their own thought. He says, well, you know, I don't know what this says, says but I'm just going to give you some proposition. And I'll give you some, uh, some uh, reasons to think it could be this. And I'll give you some reasons to think it could be that. He has no idea what it is. It might be this and it might be that. And here's my reasons why it could be this. But you choose. You decide. I said, oh, God. That's a blind spot. But God gave us a mirror. He gave us a prophet so that we could look. We got 360 vision around everywhere we're going. So when we're walking at a junction point, there ain't no blind spot. Hallelujah. These people are listening. They're sitting out there desiring. They're, they're coming to church. They're wanting to hear from God. They have a heart that's yearning. And they're saying, well, it, you know, it could be this, you know. Maybe, maybe Babylon means that. You know, it could, it could be Rome. Maybe it's Rome. Maybe it's this city. Maybe it's the world. They don't know. The junction. God always, before these great junctions come ending off time where he starts something new. Junctions with the old to the new, one dispensation to another. He always shows forth his power. Amen. Amen. Because he's going to prove I'm the God that is still alive. There's a big change, but I'm going to show myself mighty and I'm still in control. Amen. He says, man to the ages always breaks down, teaches away, explains away, gets away from the real living God. But just before he junctions and enters into a new dispensation, he appears on the scene. Amen. That's his pattern. But Abraham says the great, with great miraculous signs and wonders, he has always done it. Amen. He says, we got 
He says, what is it? We've got the change in time. We've got junction roads. A great unchanging God who's unchangeable performed those things at the junctions of time in the past. Amen. He's setting you up in the past. How much more will he do now when all hell is set to rage? Amen. And the end time is here. He's the same. He doesn't fail. Omnipotence meets miraculous. Oh, that's a line we could sit on for a little while. Omnipotence meets miraculous. Amen. At junction points, he's speaking. Amen. He says, when you could, the unreasonable thinking of men can never comprehend, you have to come in contact with omnipotence. He says, your life has changed. Omnipotence, just to give you an idea, is unlimited power. <laughs> There's only one with unlimited power. And that's God Almighty. Amen. He's got unlimited authority. He's got infinite in power. And then when you read, look up what miraculous is, miraculous starts out on the dictionary, highly improbable. And then with great, though, wonderful results at the end. Highly improbable. I thought, my, when omnipotence, unlimited power meets the highly improbable. Amen. The questionable, the, the inconceivable, the unthinkable. He said, this could never happen. But when it meets omnipotence, when it meets unlimited power, the Shunammite woman had a problem. She was at a junction. And she had had a little boy that had been given to her. God had given her a son. And she now, that son had died. And he was now dead. And she had a problem. She needed her son to raise again. But she knew where omnipotence was. She knew I need to get to the one that had unlimited power. So she knew there's a prophet in the land, and I need to get to him. So all she went up to the road, saddled her little donkey or whichever, and she made her way because she had a highly improbable situation. She had an inconceivable situation. Your, your, your boy's going to come alive again? Uh, she must have tucked that in her heart. I don't, she didn't, scripture, scripture doesn't say that she spread it away. But something inside of her, she wasn't going to the prophet for anything less than life. What was she going to the prophet for? She was going so that her boy would be brought back to her. So she, with the improbable situation, started to make her way to a prophet. And she reached his knees and he said, as you know, the scripture is all well. The messenger was sent. She said, it is well. Why was it as well? Because she knew omnipotence was there. If I could just meet him, if I could get that God on my scene, the impossible will happen. Hallelujah. What a junction point she was at. Amen. And at the junctions, as Brother Branham says, God shows himself miraculous, shows himself marvelous, shows himself that I can deal with the improbable. Brother Milko, it might be improbable, but I know a God that's omnipotent. I don't care how inconceivable your situation is. Meet the omnipotent God. Hallelujah. God don't change his rhythm. He doesn't change his pattern. Brother Branham goes to talk about the different junctions of time. My, it's hot in here. Or it's just me. He says, now to you adults, I say to you children too, young ones, old ones alike, the scripture, it's God's symphony. Amen. He says, only the composer knows what it really means, and he reveals it to those who are listening, who are interested 
in knowing what the drama is. Hallelujah. He goes, but you have to know about a symphony first. See, it's not just something you see. It's the changing. He said the junctions of the word, of the music, it throws, he says. Sometimes. He says it's going this way for a little while. And then a certain beat, after a while it changes all around. He says, what is it to you who wouldn't understand? To you who don't know nothing about it? Not interested in it? It's just a racket. Uh-huh. I know. There's probably plenty of you here that don't care two cents for a classical orchestral type of thing. And you listen to that, you're like, well, it's a bunch of chaos. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there is. You don't hear, you don't care, you don't know what, what's a viola, what's a violin, what's a cello, what's a d- big bass, I don't know, what's a bassoon, what does that look like? Is it big, is it small, what's a piccolo? I don't know, it's just chaos to me. But some listen to that, oh, oh, they're just, just loving every moment of it as the music moves and violins come in, the first and second violin, they create that harmony behind, and the cello starts resonating, those low tones, and oh, it just moves them, and they know the song, they know the, 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 the movement of it, and they're waiting for the change of it. They're waiting because they know, oh, it's going to shift into another direction as it goes through a shifting or a junction of the music, and so they're waiting to hear it. Someone says, What's that? Four seasons, winter, summer, spring? I don't know. It just sounds all the same to me. Vivaldi has nothing. No, but someone who hears that, who loves it, who knows about it, they can hear it. He says, but to those who know about it, they're watching. They know it's coming. He says, hallelujah. You who are interested, listen for the change. (laughs) You who are interested are listening for the change. Amen. Your, your, Your ears are peaked. We're at a junction point. What does the scripture say? It says that he's going to send Elijah the prophet. Your ears were tuned for something. You might didn't really know, but you were interested in the music. Hallelujah. If you can hear the echo of the music of the heavenly word singing itself out, and it shall come to pass in the last day. (laughs) Not quite the tune you're expecting, but he says the symphony of God's great drama that he's playing, it changes him. His symphony at the junction. But Abraham goes to speak about different junctions of time. And God's pattern of how he enfolds himself and shows himself mighty at different junctions. And for sake of time, I'm not trying to go too lengthy, but I, I want to in, these, this, in this part. But for the sake of the service, there are different junction points that God shows his pattern so that when we come to another junction, you can look back and realize, oh, he did it there like that. There he's must going to do it the same way. You say, well, Brother Michael, I've been in the message a long time, and I know all these things. Well, somebody here hasn't been in the message a long time, and they don't know these things. So they must be preached to them, because they have to have their opportunity to hear the Word of God. So if you do know it, like I've heard this 80 times before, pull on the Word. If you've never heard it, pull on the Word. Amen. What a moment in time. Here at Noah's time, a major junction as the world was to receive its baptism of water. And it was, a, as we see the types and the shadows of the wickedness of that era, as it would type the wickedness of our time, as we know the scripture, 
as it was in the days of Noah, because of course we're looking at pattern, we're looking at scripture, and if you're hungry for it, you're looking at the change, and so you go back and you say, well, if scripture says as it was in the days of Noah, of course we look back and they built buildings and they, they, they civilized and, and so on and so forth, and you can wonder, my goodness, why is the world just doing, even Brother Branham says it's housing projects, they're building and increasing, he said they'd multiply, he says you can't even find a, hardly a big place enough to hunt rabbits anymore. I said, wow, I wish I had that problem. Can't find a big enough place. Well, mind you, there's rabbits all over my place because they're pushed out, and I could probably be shooting them all down my road. Though the people would wonder what I was doing. But there's houses everywhere, he says. He says they begin to multiply. Then sin, wickedness sets in. It's one of the great signposts that we're at the end of the road. So don't just look at it and be like, oh, my goodness, this lower mainland is brutal. Can't find a house for nothing. It's a signpost. So you're living at a signpost. It's there in your backyard. You're not somewhere in the de- desert regions of a country. And you're like, well, I don't know about that. There ain't no buildings being multiplied here. There ain't no housing projects here. Well, guess what, Le- Le- Cloverdale? There's a lot, a lot of signposts around you, all right? It's just a transition, a junction sign. Don't bewail it. Notice during the time, he says, there was Nimrod. He goes, oh, he brought them all together and they confederated all the cities. He says, God despised pretty strong word, the federation of world order. He says, oh, confederations of labor, men binding themselves together, unions, different fetters, church denominations that winds them all together, breaks down the barriers, breaks down the fellowship between different brethren, confederation. One of the great signs that God gave in the first destruction, we see it appearing here at the last destruction. Amen. A pattern. At the moment when God is going to do something different, he's going to have a junction point in time. Men's heart begin to wax cold, turn away from God. Women become an idol. Sons of God seeing the daughters of men, and they were fair. Become a sexual order. Jesus said before Noah's time at end, they're marrying and given in marriage. I shouldn't have to tell you, or we, shouldn't, we should be able to see, we're at the exact same moment. That was Noah's junction time. Amen. These were, the, these were the signposts that something was happening. And Noah was out there preaching away. Amen. What a man Noah was. He said, Noah seemed so crazy to the world. Do you seem crazy to the world? He says, Noah was preparing, an ark, preparing a place of safety. That was a miracle in its own. I thought, my. It was a miracle in its own how that a man upon dry land where water had never come was preparing an ark to float on a mighty sea. Get yourself there, please. We've preached on it before. But here was a man that was preaching something that was absolutely inconceivable. Right? But Noah was in tune. Noah, there wasn't necessarily the written scripture. But Noah was in tune. He must have been looking at signposts and saying, you know what? God is on the scene. He was in a place where God could speak to him. Noah was in tune with God. His life was in tune with God. His prayer life was in tune with God. He was waiting for the rhythm or the change of the symphony. God was about to do something very different. He was about to destroy the whole world. Somebody, though, had to be there as a witness and to testify to the world that God's word doesn't fail. He will still have a witness of the day. So Noah was in tune with the rhythm. He was connected with the composer, able to hear the warning that was coming. How foolish. It was a miracle, Brother Brown says that in itself to see a man hammering away that something seems so fanatic. Do you know that you're a miracle in itself? That you're hammering away at living this life? 
at speaking this message through your life, everyday walk, this gospel in your everyday walk, Noah hammering away that something seems so fanatical. But Abraham says it's repeated again. Pounding away at the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Preaching the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Getting people ready for the coming judgment and shield from it. And a modern church people laughing, making fun, saying there's nothing of it. So you think, well, that's crazy in those days. It's happening right today at this junction point. Eh, there's nothing to live in a holy life. Come on. Nothing really matters about cutting my hair. I mean, I can cut my hair. Why can't I just wear a little bit of makeup anyway? I mean, who, who, who really cares about that? It doesn't matter anymore, Noah. Come on, Noah. That's just absurd. Really? Rain? Don't even ever seen it before. Women preachers and such who's preaching again. Husbands taking care of kids and mothers going off and doing the working thing and flipping the home upside down and all that. Yes, it might sound absurd to Noah and the people there as he preached the, the message, Noah's message sounding absurd, but so is this message sounding absurd, but it's a miracle nonetheless. A junction point. Of Sodom. Did God perform the miraculous in, the, in Noah's day? Did something mighty happen? Yeah, indeed it did. The rain did come, the water did come, and the ark did float. And God performed the miraculous by his omnipotence in Noah's time. Another junction point was Sodom. Brother Branham says Sodom, if it had recognized her messenger, she would have been standing. Jesus said, if she'd have recognized the same as Abraham recognized. And I was thinking, what a junction point here Abraham was. If you go in Scripture, Abraham had received, the Lord had spoke to him, changed his name to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah, and, and such. And that had happened in, in the chapter, in the next chapter over. Abraham is then waiting and receives the, the messengers, receives Elohim. And I was thinking, no, Abraham was ready. Abraham wasn't just wondering he wasn't, in his mind, was not wandering somewhere. He wasn't concerned about Sodom and all of the articles that would come up and say, well, what's happening in Sodom today? Oh, my goodness, Phil, 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 oh, my goodness. No, that wasn't where Abraham's head was. He wasn't wondering what was happening around him. He had just met. God had just spoke to him and said, I'm going to give you a son by Sarah. And so now he was primed. His ears were set in tune with the symphony. The composer had spoke to him, and so Abraham was there waiting. Something's happening. Something's going to happen here in my little world because the composer spoke to me, and I'm in tune to the change of the rhythm because there's a shift. He'd been waiting a long time. He'd been waiting 20-something years, 23, 4 years now, but something was shifting. You might have been waiting a long time for something, but there's a shift in the rhythm. There's a shift. There's a junction point coming, and God has spoke to you, whether at camp or in a service prior or wherever it is, but be in tune, in step with the rhythm, because the composer spoke to you. So now just get on your little stool and sit at the edge of your tent. Forget about Sodom. Forget about the world and just sit there and wait something's happening. He waited a little while. He waited about a year. But then somebody started to walk out of the dust into the far away, far away. Is that something? Just looks like kind of one blurry object. 
But as he sat there in earnestly waiting, as you sit here earnestly listening, as you walk through your little Christian life, as God is ministering to you, ministering to you, and you're like, is that coming? I just feel something's changing. I feel a change in the time. I feel a junction point in my life. Something's stirring. And Abraham's looking, and there out of the, out of the distance, it starts to form. Oh, I think, that's, I think that's somebody. I think that's people. We've got to have some visitors coming. But then it starts to split, and it becomes actually three. And then he starts to look. Oh, it's three people. But his eyes fasten on one. Because only one, only one concerned Abraham. Two others were going somewhere else. But he has eyes fastened. He said, oh, my, this is the Lord. This is Elohim. He's come to prove his word. Hallelujah. God ain't going to speak to you. He's not going to be whispering his secrets to you. He's not going to give you the notes of his symphony and then just let it lie. No, sir. He's not going to just let it there. He told Abraham, I'm coming. He told Abraham, I'm going to meet you. He told Abraham, I'm going to give you a son through your loins, through Sarah. So he was waiting for it. And here he come down the road at the junction of the change. The omnipotent one. The, um, the one with unlimited power. Was coming to the inconceivable. To the dead womb. To the one that couldn't have any life. But God on the scene. Elohim himself. Hallelujah. Why? Because Abraham was sitting. Waiting in tune at the junction time saints we need to be in tune at the junction time not concerned God has promised I'm skipping way ahead but God has promised a rapture we must be in tune for that time because Elohim has come Amen. The mighty angel himself has been revealed. So what's next? It's called life. He said, Abraham, when he saw the one who could discern the thoughts of Sarah behind him, think junction, think pattern, as it was in the days of Lot. So shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. We know this all too well. But I wanted to become such a reality. Maybe even just more, more present in your thoughts. But when the one who couldn't could discern the thoughts of Sarah behind him, he recognized the hour he was living. Oh, don't just put the discernment lines aside. Mm-mm. No, no. And you listen, oh, I heard that, I heard that, I heard that. No, 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 no. That was to show you in Scripture as a pattern that if Abraham recognized the hour he was living in, he was living at the time of life. After 25 years, he was now coming to the point where Sarah was going to have a son, and he was ready, recognizing the moment of change. Are we ready? Are we recognizing it's the moment of change? The moment of change of this. That's the change that we've been prepared for. He said, my Lord, fetch, let me fetch a little water. Let me wash your feet. Oh, he worshipped. When he recognized, he worshipped. Amen. When you recognize, worship. Hallelujah. 
Oh, they ate a morsel of bread. Let me pray thee. Hold on just a little bit longer. See here, my Lord. He said, capital L-O-R-D, Elohim. He recognized that God was speaking to him out of human flesh. He recognized his sign. And he was blessed of the Lord. Oh, recognize the sign that God is saying that the Lord Elohim has come and revealed himself again. That's recognizing your day in his message. Junctions. Exodus, a junction. We know what God did there. I was thinking about this moment of time. Brother Branham goes into it so in detail. Here Israel had been in a time, a point of, of slavery and bondage for several, a few hundred years now. And Brother Branham then starts to illustrate how even the priests and the rabbis, he said, of that day thought that God had just went out of existence. Forgotten them. Left them alone. He said, but God is still the omnipotent. He still performs the miraculous. And they thought that he'd gone out of existence. But right in the midst of that time, God came down to a lowly, humble family of Levi. And Brother Branham starts to go through that. And I, as you read, and he describes how Amram, day in and day out, was burdened and craving for God to move on their scene. And he would go home and he'd go up into his little attic and he'd get on his knees and pray. And say, oh God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, aren't you the deliverer? Didn't you promise that you'd deliver us out of a, out of a strange land? And he would pray, oh God, where are you? I go to work in bondage every day. And there's those that are saying you're not alive anymore. There's those that are saying you don't deliver anymore. There's those that are saying that we're just lost in this bondage of Egypt. But Lord, I still believe you're a delivering God. Come on the scene today, oh God. And Amram burdened. He would go in there in little Jacobed. She would say, Amram, you need to eat. I'm not eating tonight, here. I'm going to go up into my little room upstairs again. Oh, but you're losing so much weight, honey. What it is, surely you can take a break tonight. I can't take a break tonight, Yacobet. Where's God on the scene? Amram was in tune. He didn't know it. He didn't know what was coming, but something in him was driving to get a hold of God. There's a transition point. Something is changing in the rhythm. In fact, with the scripture says that 430 years they walked out of Egypt. That means if you roll the time back, Moses was 80 years old, I believe, when he came down. That means it'd be about 350 years. If I have that correct, you can check me if I'm wrong, that Amram would be praying because Moses would have to have gone 80 years. So he was praying before the time was coming, knowing, God, there's a transition coming ahead. Your word said, you spoke it, that we'd be delivered after 400. So where are you, God? Manifest yourself to us, God. Deliver us, oh God. He was in tune. He was burdened at the transition, listening to what the composer had said. He had said at 400 years. So there was Amram. Lord, you said it. I believe it. You said it. I believe it. You said it. I believe it. That's what he prayed over and over again, Lord. I believe your word. He'd go to work. He'd say, you still believe in that God delivers? I believe every word of it. I've done rejected that. We've just been left here to rot as just Israel's slaves. I still believe the word of God. I still believe it's true. 
people fall this way. People go that way. I don't believe this message anymore. I still believe it. I still believe my God is true. I still believe his word is true. I pray we have some Amrans and Yochabeth here this morning. No matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, no matter you sense the time is approaching, we're at a junction point. Then one night, there Amram was. He's there kneeling in prayer, crying out his heart to God as he's done day and day and year and year. And then out of a light steps a man. Hallelujah. Glory! His, his prayer became manifestation. And the God heard his prayer. He had reached heaven. And heaven brought himself down and said, Amram, I've heard your prayer. Amen. Not just that he heard the prayer. But I also will not forget my word. That's impossible. So yes, indeed, I'm going to bring a deliverer. Yes, indeed, I'm going to deliver you at 400 years. I, my word is true. Thank you for saying steadfast, Amram. I still got a witness here. Hallelujah. Moses. What a moment. Can you imagine? He came running. Brother Bram says he came running. Tell Yochabed all, all that just happened. But you know what? The promise came. All his, his agony and, and desiring and prayer. God then says, yeah, it's coming. But guess what? He just got met with another incredible trial. But Amram, a baby? A boy? A deliverer? I mean, yeah, we've been praying for deliverance. But at this time, at this dark time when they're throwing baby boys into the crocodiles, are you serious, Hamram? Is that really what God said to you? Did he really say that he was going to come this way? God promised. <laughs> I believe it. That was Amram. I don't know. He said it. Really, in this dark day, God's going to have a people? Really, at this darkest tower, the onslaught of the enemy? Yeah. He said it. He'll have a spotless bride. I don't know how, but he's going to do it by his word because he spoke it. Amen. God will take care of all the details. Just believe him. Don't worry about the details. Amram's like, you know, you mean crocodiles and them witches that are throwing the babies and dashing their heads to the wall? Yeah, those, those that detail, Amram. It's minor. It's not my problem. It's his problem. But how are we going to keep it safe? I don't know. It's his problem. <laughs> you got a problem? You got a trial? I don't know what the issue is, but it's his problem. It's not your problem. Your problem is to believe. His problem is to make it come to pass. Hallelujah. Glory. What a miraculous God. Another moment when omnipotent met the inconceivable and the miraculous happened showdown or junction I should say after junction time after time whether it's Mount Carmel junction point of redemption has Jesus Christ himself stepped on the scene every moment of that time somebody's been there waiting for it to happen waiting for the change in the rhythm the symphony is played the violins are moving and it's shifting and but God has somebody at the junction point that's waiting, sensing, knowing there's a shift. Was it Simeon that was there in the temple and Anna? Oh, no one else knew what was going on. 
Very few. <laughs> oh my goodness. But a little lady and a man come walking through the temple with a little bundle. Maybe can't even see his face. Just bundled there in Mary's arms. And there's a Simeon. He'd been waiting all this time to see the Lord's Christ. Why? Because he was in tune. He'd read the scriptures. He knew what was to come. He'd probably had his attic prayer meetings. Some time, somehow, God's going to bring a Messiah. He's revealed to me that I won't die until I see it. And so he was waiting and waiting and waiting for the moment to happen. And then because he was in tune at the junction point, he was in place where he's supposed to be. And so then when the Messiah in babe form there walked across his pathway, he's here. Hallelujah. When this message... When God himself revealed himself to you. Why? Because little did you really know, but you were in tune. Your heart was craving, desiring somehow. This is the end time. Some way, God, you got to speak. There's more to this Bible than my eyes can see. you got to reveal it to me. And you're waiting there. <laughs> he said, well... The scripture says in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. Your scripture says, behold, I send you Elijah the prophet. What does this mean? And so as Simeon, you were at a place when then when God started issuing it out and it came by your little pathway, you heard the word. What about the junction of time itself? These were different junctions in time. <laughs> what about junction of time? Because we're at the greatest junction this world has ever seen, apart from Christ coming on the scene as a major junction. But this is a major junction. It's not a junction of a showdown on Mark Carmel or a junction where Israel is going to be pulled out of Egypt. It's not a junction even where Noah is going to be thrown on an ark. This is a junction of time. And every junction point has been building up to this final junction. So then, we should take note on what happened in those junctions to see the pattern that God had and what those did then to be in tune with the composer so that at this junction point, we're in tune with the movement of the symphony. It's a small group in Noah's day. It's a small group in Elijah's day. And it's a small group that'll be in step in this day. You know, the movements of the symphonies, they actually call them movements in a symphony. And some say there was, it originated with three movements, some say four. And now you can pretty much have as many movements as you want. And the movement of a symphony is, is where it changes. It really has a shift. And at those moments of junction, they shift into another feeling or another type or a tempo, a different part of the music. And as we described, we went through these different junctions. And Brother Branham says, he goes in the junction of time, the message we can read. He speaks about seven different junction points, which we hit a couple. But in God's great symphony, 
It's a seven movement piece. In one spot, he, of course, we have the seven church ages, so that's easy to see. But here we are. If there was indeed seven movements in this great symphony, then we're at the last movement. Amen? That's about where we are right now. We've gone through the Noah. We've, we've, the, that movement of the music has played safety through destruction, and how it came, and then through Abraham and Lot, and how did Sodom and the pattern of Sodom, the wickedness of the time, and that movement played its way through, and through Abraham, and through Moses, and through Christ himself, as he revealed himself as a son of man, showing a pattern on how he would be in the days when he comes as a son of man again, patterning himself, showing how he would reveal himself, showing him at the woman at the well, showing himself with Nathaniel, patterning so that you and I would know at that junction point, that's how I revealed myself there. Amen. So that when we came to the finale, we're living the finale. I don't know, but everybody else in history, you know, the finale is that big moment. It's the big piece where everything the composer has desired to place, you know, he's kind of built up to it, and you know, in the entry, in the second movement, or whatever else. But at the finale, he's pouring it in. He's putting all his resources, all of his ability into that last moment. I want the world to see that I am the most amazing composer the world's ever known. And so I'm going to throw in more notes, more movement, and more this and more that. And the strings are going to have to move like crazy. Them bowers have got a bow till their strings are blown off their bow. That's the composer's thought of the finale. If that's the man, earthly composer, as he composes a symphony, what about the composer when he starts to plan out the finale of time? Hallelujah. The, all his passion, all his fervor, all of his omnipotence, he's going to pour in to this moment. I even had, I'm not going to play it, but I was going to play a, the finale of a certain comp- uh, composition. And I was just, when I listened to it, because I wanted to hear, okay, I want to hear a finale. So I put a finale on. And I was just in my mind, I was thinking, my, actually just hit the play button. And I'll stop it short. <laughs> this is pretty unorthodox. There's not even money up there. All right, never mind. <laughs> it must not, not meant, meant, meant to be. But here the composer started out. And he starts to play and it starts to build. And I thought, my, there you were, Lord, at, in, in the Azusa Street. When you started to release, you're outpouring. And the restoration of the gifts as this age started to build and started to form. And the strings start to move. And they start to build. And I just went through all the time. And I, in my mind, I was thinking, oh, that's where your prophet maybe started to come on the scene. And he says, we got some recording, new recording gadgets in 1947. As the strings started to move through the building of the music at the finale moment of time hallelujah the sheet music beginning to manifest what God had already prepared he wrote out the music sheet God ain't gonna ever get off the music sheet he's never gonna deviate from this for he said if so if he said he was gonna send a prophet guess what he's gonna do he's gonna do that he's not gonna change his mind halfway no, sorry, he's not going to be like, oh, sorry, that's an F, G, A, A flat, B flat. Now, I've changed that all to get it right in the middle. I don't really care. That bar's different. He's never do that. The musician's going to get there and be like, da, 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 what's that? No, God never changes word. I am God and I change not. The world began to hear the notes. Think about it. Has the messenger started to now 
breathe forth his message. The notes of the finale for the first time started to be played. Think of the composer when his music is played for the first time. And he's just like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Any, no, now, some people, that, you say that's pride, but God can do that. He's allowed to do that. And God can step back. And as his prophet started to usher forth, he sit back. That's some amazing music. <laughs> hey, man. The notes that you and I were to hear. And so then the signs, first pulse started to come. Feeling in the hands. Think of it for the first time. Here, as Moses was given two signs, so will you be given two signs. This, the, the, the composition, the pattern of God was changing, giving you and I the ability in the world, the ability to go back in the scripture and say, that's what he did at that junction. That's what he did at the transition. So if he did that in Moses' time, we're at another junction. This is God's pattern. Is this the rhythm that I need to be watching for? As that pattern started to unfold in its first and in the hand and the feeling in the hand. And I thought, you know, for you, maybe some of you haven't heard this and you can go back and I'll, I'm going to take the time because it's Sunday and we have the time and it's only one service. So God, forgive me. Notice I said only God, not you. <laughs> you might not have heard. I wanted, I thought, you know, what was that first time? when those notes started to be played. And Brother Branham references the first time when the second sign is revealed, the second pole then in his ministry is then comes to pass. And he said, I'll be with you. He speaks about in Regina. And he's speaking about this in January 10, 1950. And he says, I had a, he says I'll be with you, that you might know it'll come to pass, that you'll, you'll take the people by the right hand in your left. And he says, you'll feel results of it. Now, I call it vibrations upon your hand. This is what the angel told him. You'll become familiar with that, and you'll tell the people all their diseases and what they got in their body. He then continues. He goes, then, so he was, he was doing that. He said, sometimes, actually, he even, would even mistake it. He says, actually, female trouble, I think cancer. He said it was very similar, and he, he wouldn't quite know which one it was in the hand. And he was trying to understand that sign. But he says, I, then he continues on, he goes, I have a funny feeling in the hand. He says, sometimes I couldn't detect exactly what it was, so it sounded like. He says, because you'd see the visual results. He says, but it come to pass, I was standing in Calgary, in Regina, Saskatchewan, about three months ago. This happened in Canada. And I was standing on the platform like this in my audience. And he said, about three months ago, so this has been late, late 1949 then. And we were having a great meeting, close to 10,000 people. So just so any of you skeptics, this was not under a bushel. This wasn't in a back room. This was out in front of 10,000 people this very moment as the notes of the composer now start to be revealed. Hallelujah. He said, I was standing there on the platform. Some were gathered that night in the pavilion. He was Queen's Gardens, he says, I believe. He goes, and they were in there, the stampede area where they have that. He says, the Lord has told me that if I be sincere, that he goes, I was speaking. And as I did at each meeting, it would come to pass that the secrets of the hearts of the people would be told. Now we know the pattern because God gave that pattern as he revealed himself as son of man. As he sat there on the well, we know that he revealed the secrets of the heart. He revealed who Peter was. He revealed Nathaniel. He revealed the, the, the woman at the well's heart. So we know that this is a pattern at a junction that we should be watching. Amen. So here it happens now. And he said, I'll just give you this before we close. He said, I turned around to get a drink at the platform. And so he turns to get a drink of water. And he turns to, at that moment. And he turned around Reverend Baxter was, I was taking a drink, and he takes his handkerchief, and he said he was wiping the perspiration off my forehead. And he said, God bless you, Brother Branham. 
I said, thank you, Brother Baxter. And I turned around, and he walked around, and stood a lady at the microphone. Had been brought up to the, to, the, to the prayer line. I walked over like that. And I looked at the lady, and I said, how'd he do? And she said, how'd he do? And he said, something happened. Notes were now starting to be played at this junction. He said, I knew there was something happened somewhere. I never felt it like that before. He says, it was an anointing. He said, it doesn't feel like the Holy Spirit is really sacred feeling. He said, I looked at the woman, and she was standing there at her regular size. And I seen her. She goes, just get real, real little. And I start going back, and now you hear, he goes, you, you hear that it spoke there. He said, I seen a little bitty girl standing way down at a little bitty girl about 12, and I seen her sitting by a desk. I said, something's happening, friends. He said, I see the little girl, the woman left me. I, I see a, 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 a little, uh, she's sitting in a room with a hidden in her pencil. Oh, it's a pen. Oh, it struck her eye. And the woman screams. She says, she, she says oh, he goes, that's me. I'm blind in my right eye. He says, uh, uh, well, I've never seen anything like, like this. I said, well, oh, she went back again. I see a young lady. Now she's 16, and she was just running hard as she could. Uh, she had a big ribbon in her hair, a double plate hanging on her back, braided there, and had a checkered dress. She's running fast. Oh, there's a big yellow dog chasing her. She says, uh, he, he, she said, there she went back again. And he said, I see a young lady, but he began to tell her, looking in front of me, she goes up a porch, and she screams again, that's me when I was in school. I never even thought of that in my life. I said, something's happening, friends. I, I don't know what's the matter. I, I started, I, I, let, me, let me feel your hand, sister. He says, uh, well, I don't feel any, any vibration. He says, I'm looking down her hand. I looked up again. I seen a lady coming from a white house in a barn, red-looking barn. She's coming towards a white house. This is in front of 10,000 people. I wonder who there was in tune at the junction. I wonder who was sitting there for the very first time as the composer's notes started to be played across the, across the, the instrument of his messenger. And it's starting to, he said, I don't even understand it. What's happening? Oh, that's me. I'm blind in my eye. That was me running from the dark. didn't even know. She said, I see the woman, lady, sister. He said, now, now she's in, he goes, she's, she has an apron on. She's walking now. I've seen her come. I've seen a lady. He said, it's sister, it's you. It's normal time then. I could recognize it being the same woman. He started up the steps. He said, there's something wrong with your back. I can see you. You can't even get up the steps. You lean over sideways. You're crying. He said, if I can just get to Brother Bradham's meeting, it'll be over. Here, a prophet, as Brother Ed spoke, prophet optics into another dimension. She's leaning on the porch. If I could just get to Brother Bradham's meeting, it'll be over. Who saw that? Brother Branham? Oh, no. That was God revealing his notes of a junction of time. Hallelujah. He said, and then somebody caught, she, he, uh, he said there, he goes, and there's a, um, the woman, she just started to faint, and they actually caught her right there on the, on the uh, stage, and Brother Branham, Brother Baxter grabbed the microphone, and said, Brother Branham, that's just what you spoke a while ago would come to pass. I asked you, where's Brother Baxter right now? In front of his very eyes was the second pull being manifested, was a junction of the symphony of the finale of time was coming before the eyes of the people. I say, where are they now? Sobering, isn't it? 
He said everybody began to scream all over the building. I heard crutches rattling. I looked here. Come a young fellow. He said, Brother Branham, trying to hobble on his crutches. Crutches everywhere rattling. Think of the moment as the anointing of the Holy Spirit is going through that building for the first time. This way this is being shown. He says, and he comes hobbling to the front. He says, tell me what to do. I says, well, brother. Uh, he says, you go back. and He didn't have a prayer card. He tried to take him off the platform. He says, you go back and get a prayer card, Sonny. He says, well, well, tell me what to do. Noticing that something is happening at that moment as the Lord is, is revealing himself in this way, as the notes are changing as a symphony. And he's like, what do I do at this time? He was sensing something. Something's happening here. What? Tell me. What do I do? He says, just go now. He's crying. He says, well, I don't know what to tell. Just a minute. He says, don't take him. He says, you left Regina Beach this morning. I seen him standing by the side of a car. You caught a bus. I seen you over the, up over the door. Said Regina Beach, I see a man and a woman refusing you to go. That's your father and mother. He said, that's right. I said, I see another man loaned you some money. Looks like your father. He says, my uncle. I said, all right, I see you now. You're in the room. It's got a bay window and you're looking outside. He said, that's my aunt sitting right there in her living room. What must I do, Brother Branham? He's waiting. Just tell me what I must do. I know there's a change here. There's a junction point in my life right here, right now. What do I do? I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss the moment when the symphony's changing for my world. What do I do? Think about it. What is this you? What do you do? You know what he says? I said, do you believe with all your heart? He said, with all my heart. He said, stand on your feet. Jesus Christ has healed you. Was it that difficult? What do I do? What do I do this morning? What do I do in my world? I got crutches in my mental capacity. I got crutches in my situations. What do I do? Do you believe? God wasn't going to have something that you could not do. It wasn't going to be something that only at that moment custom made for that time. No, he was going to give a recipe that the bride around the world would be able to receive. What do I do? Do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus Christ can heal you? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Savior? Do you believe that he can redeem, that he can save? Hallelujah. Go, stand on your feet. Jesus Christ has healed you. That's this day. That's this hour. That's this junction. Are we in tune with the rhythm of the composer? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They sensed that anything was possible at that moment. Anything was possible. And anything is possible and is happening right now. Because at the beginning of the service, we prayed that you'd come in at a junction point and you would leave never the same again. If you believe he's the same God that was there in 1950, he's the same God here in 2023. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Worthy to be praised and adored. Can I go a little more? We can worship him. We can give him praise. We have no formality of service. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory. Yes, sir, Billeroy. 
I just want him to move in any way he desires. I don't have no preconceived idea of nothing. I said, Lord, just move today. Transform a heart today. May somebody recognize that this is their moment as we sang the song. Little West, Sister Leah, Ava, this is the moment. Today is the day. This is the junction hour. Don't you worry. Don't put God in a box. Brother Bram says, Noah warned the people it never rained. And the people in the world today, after 2,000 years of gospel preaching, don't know what it means to be born again by the Spirit of God. They don't know what omnipotence means. What God in his great omnipotent power that can transform a soul from a street sinner to an angelic position in God's kingdom as a son and daughter of God. They don't understand it. But I would want to say that they is the world. But there's a people that this message came to that Noah's message went to. Even though it was a small group, it's a small group still. But we do believe it. We do understand that there indeed is a gospel. There is an omnipotent God that can transform. Why? Because I'm looking at him. Hallelujah. A song was played in my house a little while ago and I listened to it and I said, oh my goodness. The song goes, we need another Noah in this world that's filled with sin. This is denominational world, realms singing, clean, you know, holy type of people try in some way. They're singing with all their heart, believing with all their heart, and they're singing, we need another Noah in this world that's filled with sin. On this wickedness he sees, we need another Noah. Will it be you or will it be me? I said, oh God, Noah's come. They're crying for a Noah. And Noah's already come here. Wasn't Elias supposed to come? He's come. In this modern age we're living in, once again, we've gone astray. So many hearts hardened, and they need, and they see no need to pray. God's looking for a Noah who will listen when he speaks. A call to the world has wandered from the cross of Calvary. Oh, God, I said, Noah's, Noah's come. He's called. He was stripping down the churches. Cut your, get your bob hair out the door. Get your makeup out of there. Straighten up. Oh, we need more than ABCs. Teach us deep things. Get straightened up first. Noah cried it out. Oh, God, surely at this moment we're not preaching to those that are on the outside of an ark and they're going to be banging on a door because Noah came. God's not going to be standing there and saying, oops, I missed that part of the music. I forgot to put that in the symphony. No, there's going to be a people that will be able to testify and say, no, I heard it. I heard the junction. I was in tune with the word. At my hour, I heard that Noah came this day. I heard a prophet's message speak across the land. Everything that was told that would transpire, it's come to pass. 
And God forbid if somebody comes up before the throne and the bride will be standing there with her Lord and someone would come up and say, but we needed another Noah. He said, I sent him. You didn't hear the change of music. I say this morning, hear the change of the music. But Abraham said, as Peter, he said, when I send up into heaven, from whence I come from, Jesus was speaking. Oh, they said, it's a hard saying. We know the scripture. Who can understand it? You're just a man. They're missing the change. They're missing the junction. He says, oh, you're merely a man. And say the son of man goes back for he comes. It's a hard saying. He said, they didn't know the beat. They didn't know the rhythm of the symphony of God's word. That God was, God was manifested in flesh. He was a vindicated word, light of the hour. They didn't get it. This is a hard thing. They didn't know the beat, he said. But he said, Peter did. <laughs> Peter was right there. Why? Somebody didn't understand it all. Didn't, under, didn't, didn't know really what was transpiring. But something inside was in tune to the composer's music. Amen. Amen. And Peter said, where did we go? As we heard a few services go, he said, you're the composer. What a revelation that Peter could be looking right there in the eyes of Christ Jesus there. You're the composer. Oh, my goodness. He had a real moment, didn't he? That he could stand there and say, the composer's on the scene. I don't understand all of this, but you're the note maker. You're the one who created this word. And I don't know, but I just believe it all. Hallelujah. He says, you're the one that has words of life. No other place to go. We've joined ourselves to this great concert. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen, Brother Brown. I don't know, have it somewhere here. Oh, here I do. He says, you have to become part of the word. And, and Amen. That's what happens when you become born again. You become part of the word. He says, when you become part of the word, you, become, you have to become part of the dance to get into the dance. He says, you have to become part of the ball game for something you're interested in to get in the ball game. Right? You've got to go to the ball game. You ain't going to sit in the chair, fold your arms, and this is lame. Maybe if you hate baseball, but if you don't like, if you like baseball, that ain't what you're going to do. You're going to sit in the chair. You're going to eat your popcorn. You're going to toot toot, woohoo, all the way through that game because you're in it. You're in the game. He says you have to become part of the word to know God's symphony. His symphony is when, you get, when it's playing, you understand, you're marching to the beat of time. You're watching for it. The works that I do, shall you do greater. He said in these last days, oh my, the great changing of time. We get into the beat of the word for its purpose of the hour. He says he did it at the beginning. Then you know how he's going to do it all the time. That's what I've been telling you. The pattern he did, how he changes rhythm, how he changes a junction. He'll do it all the time. But if you're in it, then you know it. Then you sense the moving of the music. Amen. Oh, my goodness. I'll end at this part here if I can. When you're part of the word, that means you're part of the music. You're not just listening. You're actually part of his notes. 
He wrote you on his music sheet. <laughs> Amen. Add that great staff of music. And he starts to write out the notes. As they go up and as they go down. As there's a rest. As there's some sixteenths. And he starts writing in. Victoria tomorrow. <laughs> he wrote your note on the sheet, Sister Victoria. But John, he had a time for you. And he wrote your note. And we might look at a music sheet and you look at that little black dot and the little line on it and it's just a note on the sheet. But when you step into time, that note is a lifespan that begins to play out. And the bow of God's word starts to play. And some of it is a high note and there's joy. And then it starts to resonate. Somebody's that deep cello and has a mournful tone. And it's a sad tone. But it's part of his notes. Because you're his music. To portray his word. You know, you know, Michael, maybe you say my notes aren't really worth listening to. They're broken. They're full of pain. Full of hurt. Who wants to hear my music? Whether you like it or not, you're part of the sheet. And I want you to bring you through a little scripture of the book of Hosea. You might not have ever read that book. But the very first notes of Hosea in the second verse the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea and the Lord said to Hosea go take unto thee a wife of whoredom and children of whoredom for the land hath committed a great whoredom departing from the Lord so he went and took Gomer the daughter of Diblam which conceived and bare him a son and he continued scripture continues to bear another and another and I thought you might just read over that and you're like I just don't understand why would God even do that? Israel had left God. They'd gone astray, they're worshiping idols, they'd rejected God. And God then anoints Hosea and says, Go find a wife, go find a harlot wife, and marry her. And Hosea, heavy with the burden of the Lord, God has placed this is his note. And he goes and takes a wife. Whether she was prior or whether she was to be, we don't know. But she was a whoredom, a harlot, a prostitute. And he takes her to wife. And he loves her with all his heart. She obviously was unfaithful because that's what scripture states. Can you imagine the hurt that Hosea went through loving an unfaithful wife because this is what God had placed on him to express go marry a harlot and have a baby and he has a baby and names the baby the first one Jezreel I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu and then he has a, she has a daughter 
Laruma, I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel. And then she conceives another and bears a son. Loami, you are not my people. And Hosea is having to live this crushing moments of life. His notes. He said, why God? Surely Hosea had these moments of time that he'd got on his knees. His wife's not even at home, out somewhere, unfaithful. Why God? Why have you chosen me to do this and bear this burden? Gomer then gets sold. If you go over to chapter 3, she's there in Scripture. And the Lord said unto, well, I don't know how long this was. The Lord said unto me, Go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who look on other gods and love flagons of wine. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver. For a homer of barley and a half homer of barley. And here Hosea, for whichever reason, Gomer's now enslaved. And he goes and purchases himself. This wife that didn't love him, unfaithful to him, but unconditional love that was placed inside of him. He went out and bought her for a lot of money. And brought her back to her side and said, I love you unconditionally. Regardless of what you do, regardless of your unfaithful past, I still love you. Why? Because God, through Hosea, was showing that God's love for Israel was unconditional. He had to portray that. And here he was preaching to Israel, saying, you've left God. You've been the whore, like a whore, and you've, you've rejected him. And here he was married to one. And they're like, really, Hosea? You're preaching us that? And look at your home. Oh, and that stung him. Oh, God. How can this be? Because in the face of Israel, not just spoken by word, but he had music note that had to be expressed through Hosea to manifest an example of the unconditional love of God. Not just to Israel, but to you and me. He said, Lord, I don't know why I'm going through this. God has a purpose for your note. You wonder why you're going through a hard time. You just go read Isaiah, Hosea then. And you put yourself in the shoes of a prophet that had to bear the burden of that household every day. Day in and day out. Maybe his wife out somewhere. Three little babies at the home. But God was playing on his instrument. His unconditional love. What a song. The unconditional portrayal of God's love. God isn't dependent on you. He's not dependent on me. He's not dependent on us to love us. He loves you unconditionally. Amen. 
And each person, each event, each one of you were combined into a great symphony of music played out. There's a, uh, something happened here over these last couple decades now. I think it's been preached on maybe one time. Called Violins of Hope. These were violins that were used in the World War with the Jews as they are brought in cattle cars. And the Jews are very connected to the violin, actually is a very connected device, uh, instrument to their culture. It's very part of them. And they would be, their music is very, has certain tones and certain ways about them. And during the World War, would, everything was obviously taken as they were brought into the cattle cars and taken to the camps. Of course, all these different instruments were taken away. And, but others were actually kept. They had them and they would place, the Germans would place at the, at the opening of Auschwitz, Bergen-Belsen, they'd actually have an orchestra. And they'd be forcing, these Jews would be playing their instruments as the people would be coming in off the cattle cars. One daughter tells the account of her mom, who's a twin, got off the cattle train, the, the box car, and she says, oh, well, there's violins. This shouldn't, isn't too bad then. And they were using this music in an insidious way. And as the dogs were barking and the guns were shooting and the people were being beaten and killed even there, this music would be playing all this time. The juxtaposition could not even be fathomed. And many of these instruments found their ways then into different places. After the, after the war, they landed maybe someone's attic somewhere, some they didn't even want to look at them anymore. But after a long period of time, many of them started to resurface, and there's a Jewish master violin maker in Israel, and he started to receive these violins to be restored. In fact, he even opened up one case, and it still had actually black, dusty ash inside the box. And for a long time, he just put them in the attic. He didn't even want to deal with, didn't even want to look at them. He didn't know what to do with them. He just, he just kept them. He couldn't do anything. He wasn't going to sell it. He just kept it. And after time, though, he felt like, I need to do something with this. And he started to restore the violins. And it got out, word got out that he, that he was starting to do this. And this master violin maker started to begin his work, restoring these violins back to a playing capacity. Some of them took a couple even years just to bring back to working order. And it started with one, it started with two, became a few. And he now has almost, almost 50 plus violins that they've made and restored. And very, these are concert grade, many of most of them made to be played. But he said, these aren't just left to be on a show. He said, they're made to be played. And so instead of these just sitting, these violins now sitting in an attic or sitting in a shop or sitting on a museum to display, they actually send them around to, the different, to different concert halls and youth groups and different things, and they give them these violins so that they can play on them, so that the music that these violins have within them can still be played and their voice can still be heard. So that those that might have had been part of that, even one man 
who had his violin with him still after the war. He had played it for the Germans at the camps. And he, he, he was so attached. It was so part of him. He called it his friend. And he asked his daughter over and over, I'd like, can I have my friend? And she, he would just hold his violin because it brought him through. It actually get, got him different rations and certain things. He'd play his violin and it got him through the war and even saved some of his family members. And it became so part of him. And they said even the, the way a violin is held and the way that its neck is used, it's rubbed by the hand or the bowing or the chin piece, it becomes part of the person. It's almost who they are. It embodies them. And out of the sounds of darkness, these violins that played... They're now sending these out and they're wanting even the young people to be able to take these violins so that they can now play and remember and allow the music from these tragic moments, but let the music still continue. And I thought, Lord, we might have, you might feel like you're a violin and you've gone through some very difficult moments of time. You've, you've gone through what, these are obviously tragic different areas and I would think Satan, not Hitler, has played songs. He's put you, some of you through different hellhole situations, depressive states, mental chaos, maybe even worse religious states where you've been somewhere and Satan has made you and forced to bow his bow across your instrument, across your little violin. But there was one, a restorer, that came by your way at one time because there was music that needed to come out of your life. The restorer did not beat the violin and shred it into pieces and leave it. He took what had been formed. He took the character that had been formed in the violin and he started to restore it back to its condition that it could be played. I don't care of what you've been through. God will allow certain things, but the character of your instrument is going to be, meant, going to be brought through the restoration of the master. Don't be well, oh God, why am I this way or why am I that way? He has formed you. He's restored you so that you are the violin of his victory to someone that can preach out and live out and play out hope. Because if someone can look at your life, Leah, and say she could go through that, she could go through this hurt. She could go through this pain. He could break that violin down and put the marks and the scars and the such. But he can come. The restorer comes. And he starts to sand down. Oh, he doesn't, he doesn't take those scars out, Leah. He doesn't take the bangs out. But he restores it. He actually puts a varnish over it. Of his word. Seals you in. So the world can look at that. And you can say, look what the Lord has done. Oh, look what the Lord has done. Rejoice. Let the song honor from your life. Musicians, why don't you come? You're his violin. You're his music of his victory. And you are part of this junction. Whether you know it or not, you're actually being played. He's playing you right now this junction point. This is the junction of time itself. Oh God, may our lives so ring out. Maybe it's some hurts and pains, some other joys and the victories, whatever it would be. You know what it forms? It forms music. It forms a symphony. And somebody maybe sitting here, maybe on there, I don't know, but their ear is listening. 
They're listening say, I sense something happening at this junction time. I really don't know where to turn. But there's a people that are going to be there at this hour. I seen the little bride go forth. And she started to walk before me. Brother Branham speaking. And they started to walk. And he saw them go, oh, they look at a sainted bunch of people. Who is that people? A sainted bunch of people going before him. It's a preview of the bride. Who was there? That is you. That is me. And what were they doing? They were walking before him. Then they went off to one side. Then another group go forward. And they walked through. He said they looked terrible. They looked just, just horrible. Dressing, whatever. Dancing to the beat of rock and roll. That ain't his music. It ain't his music, saints. We ain't no church. And these worship payment things. Smoke shows and whatever else. That ain't his music. You're his music. They walked off. They start to drop off into one area. But then there's another little group come out again. He said in the first time, he tells that in Masterpiece. He says, oh my, it just matches right now. He goes, I just seen it right now. The beginning, the first church. They went through into the ground and to die. Then they rose up again and will come through the second preview of the bride. Why? Because the last and the first will be the same. The Alpha and Omega. But they started to walk. And in the back... He said they started just to get a little out of step. You know that quote. And he screamed out, stay in line. I said, little church, let's stay in line. Let's stay in line. Keep your ear listening to the rhythm of the music of this hour. Don't get off one little bit. But Abraham said there's just a couple at the back. I don't know one place in European or whatever. I don't really care who it is. Stay in line. Keep your ear to the composer. There's a composer. There's a conductor. And there's the musicians. We have a composer. We had a messenger. Direct. And we have the musicians. Keep your eyes on the director. Because he has the composer's message. Don't go this way. Don't look that way. There's other church going this way. Start leaning one direction or the other. Don't do that. Just look at the word. You say, I don't know what that is, but I'm looking at the word. Amen. Let's be in rhythm at this junction. There was those at the front. He said, not the front, but the back. I said, Lord, we're at the very end of the second group coming through. We just want to stay in step. We want to stay in step. And if you have not, if your ear is pricked, I say, come in line. Step in line with this bride who's in tune with the composer this morning. Let's stand this morning. Hallelujah. I didn't even get where I wanted to go. I wanted to get to a place because in line, when you're in rhythm, there's peace. But we didn't get there. But I, that's what's been on my heart is, Lord, you know, shalom, we say shalom. Maybe you don't say that, obviously Jews say shalom. But shalom is a, a word much more beyond peace. It's completeness. It's wholeness. It's shalom. The only reason why I was thinking, you know, 
Brother Brandon preached Salome twice, 64. And I thought, you know, the only reason why, this is me, that he could preach Shalom is because at the end time, we've been given an open word, the complete word, the whole word. And he could then say, Shalom. Uh, I could go into that so much more, but maybe that's another time. But I want to sing. I do want to sing. They'll be, uh, I'll keep listening for a different sound. That's where we'll go this morning. Amen. That's what I'm listening for. There's turmoils. There's heartache. There's sorrow. But my ears in tune for something very different. Amen. Amen. Oh, we hear about the wars. See famine. Oh, there is questions. Oh, trouble. Son, it shall come to pass. There will come a generation that will be the last. Amen, Brother West. As you sat here and said, there will be. We're here. It is this time. This is the moment, saints. 
This is the very junction of time. As time and the change into eternity. That's where we are. You know what Brother Branham said in the countdown message? This is just me now. I'm not putting no doctrine down out here, okay? But he speaks about the man going to the moon in 1960s there. That was a big deal. The man was going to the moon. And he, Brother Brandon references the launching and the whole message of, of 1960s, the huge effort to land on the moon. In 1962, the first American to go into orbit. 63, the first woman to go into space. <laughs> I'll let you just sit on that one. Amen. March of 1965, the first spacewalk. 1969, the first man to walk on the moon. And in 1972, December, the last mission, it ended. I thought, well, that, ain't, that is interesting. That here at that moment, as a message was going forth, as he was saying, count down, and went through that whole thing of count 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, and God's counting 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. He says, the countdown is over. He says, we're right at zero. We're, here's where we are. This is the junction of time that we're at. God's had the countdown from one up to two to three to seven. And we're right at that final moment. And I thought, well, isn't that so interesting that there in 1963, there was the first woman to go into space. The wave chief offering was being waved over. The first fruits were being waved over as a prophet's message was going out. And then it just ended. And it just went to nothing. A gap. Dead. But here just recently, after about 50 years, 72 to 2022 or so, man starts pondering again, I need to get to the moon. And we know the type of the moon. But Abraham goes through that, the sun, and the moon reflects the sun, as the moon is the bride, the church of the living God. And here now at this time, you know what man's trying to do? Not just a little group at Nassau, but the whole world is trying to put forth an ability to put man on the moon again. Well, if it typed natural type spiritual back in the 60s, and Brother Branham used that to put us where we are in time, I just wonder. I'm looking at time, the, the events of this time, saying, Lord, is that just a natural type that once again, after some maturing time of about 50 years, as the seed just had to mature in the presence of the sun, are we about ready to blast off? Hallelujah! That's the junction point we're at, saints. Let man go to the moon. But Brother Benham says we're going far past the moon. We're going into eternity. You can set your sights on the moon, man. But I'm going much farther into the presence of the Son of the living God. Amen. But I keep listening for a different. Oh, let's sing the same. That's indeed, Lord, what our ears are in tune. Lord, we want to catch every movement of this great symphony music of time. Lord, you're the composer. We don't want to miss, Lord, a junction. Lord, you've given us a message. Lord, it is completely 
in our hands. If I could say this way, even our Lord, not necessarily our fault, but to miss this would be an incredible travesty, Lord. It's so been so given so clearly, so openly, so publicly. Oh God, if someone's in the earshot of this service, Lord, may their heart be pricked as they were on the day when Peter preached, Lord, and their hearts pricked. How? Oh, what must I do to be saved? I want to be in this great music, this great orchestra. Lord, we commit the word that was spoken this morning. Lord, may it land on good ground, we pray. Bless the people the remainder of the day. This last weekend before our little ones go to school. May it be a time with our families, Lord. We need you in this wicked time. But you have indeed given us a perfect word that can fortify us and keep us. That our notes can be played to the glory of the living God. So we dismiss each one here in your presence now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you today. Have a wonderful day.